BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Friday, November 8th, and pre-recorded from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, no live show today. Our host, Ben Jarofsky, is taking a vacation day. But don't worry, because in its place is a brand new, never-before-heard Benny J bonus interview with former South Bend, Indiana mayoral candidate and baby brother of CTU Vice President SDG, Stacey Davis-Gates, Henry Davis Jr. This interview was recorded Wednesday, November 6th. Enjoy, and we'll see you Tuesday. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the Illinois Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the Illinois Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Benny J, take it away. It's bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it is Wednesday, November 6, 2019. But of course, you could be hearing this anytime. That's correct. Uh, thank you, uh, Robert Mueller. Uh, as we do all the time on the Ben Jarofsky Show on bonus time, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce him or herself. In this case, uh, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. This is Henry Davis Jr. from the city of South Bay, Indiana. And I think this is probably what, my third time being on the... 3P. 3P. 3P, man. We go for that, man. <laughs> Absolutely. You're laughing. <laughs> it's the 3P for Henry Davis Jr. Yeah. Uh, and just for the record, I just want to say the man is very uh, silent and shy, but Henry Davis Sr. is sitting in the studio and he's not saying anything. He's just looking at the phone. So it's like a Henry, it's a Henry Davis reunion here on the Ben Jarofsky show. Something like that. Uh, and uh, Henry Davis Jr., is the baby brother of our very own Stacy Davis Gates. And I'm not going to make the mistake, as I did last time, Henry Davis, of putting a Gates on the end of your name. Remember that? No, yeah, you totally did that. No, I'm totally not a Gates, man. No. Uh, <laughs> he's not a, he's a Davis, not a Gates. Yeah. Um, all right, you are a uh, councilman in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, I just got uh, reelected yesterday. We had our general election and uh, was victorious. Uh, I, I won 100% of the vote. I, I, I didn't I didn't have a contender. I see you have an opponent. <laughs> well, is it, as they say in politics, it's really hard to lose an election when you don't have an opponent. Yeah, it's pretty bad if you lose and you lose to yourself. Uh, so how, how did it happen that you were running unopposed? Well, the district that I represent um, is like 98% prone uh, to vote Democrat every election. So I ran as a Democrat. I won the primary. And I, I think that was a four or five man race. And so uh, that's it. You know, so you were victorious yeah, in the Democratic primary. Yeah, in the primary, and, and that's it. You know, yeah. you go you go to the general. No one ever signs up, and I did that before actually. In the past, I uh, had lost my uh, seat because I had to, I ran for mayor and I wanted to get back in, so I ran as an independent, and I was still hot in the district. You know, it wasn't like they wanted me out going or running, wanted me out. But it's just so hard, you know, coming back in and trying to change people's voting habits mm -hmm. and behavior. And it's a non-starter. Uh, I think we did pretty good. I mean, I think we uh, got over a thousand votes in that district on that uh, on that run, but it wasn't enough to win. Well, let's uh, talk about that mayoral race that you just alluded to, and uh, your opponent in that race was one Pete Buttigieg, your buddy. Yeah, my good friend, yeah, uh, who is now the well, he's no longer the mayor of South Bend. Yes, he is. He's, he's still, still he's still the mayor until like uh, January thirty one. I sit I mean, I mean, December thirty one. Okay. Uh, yeah. la last night there was an election, and uh, his successor was selected by the voters of South Bend, James Mueller, who was uh, 
His best friend. His best friend. Yeah. And former chief of staff. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, South Bend, Indiana, politics in South Bend. So talk about that, the the mayoral race when you ran against Mayor Pete a little bit. Well, that was, you know, one of those moments, man. I uh, just went on sheer energy. I mean, I didn't have any money, you know, and I don't think my momentum was that high to, you know, take him out. But just had a a really, really big problem uh, with the way the city was being ran, the decisions that were being made. Uh, the way the money was being spent, you know, erroneously in areas that didn't need it, um, which now people understand it. You know, we're, we have a budget deficit. You know, there are some bonds that are on the market that's not necessarily um, doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are police officers that are like, you know, leaving out in droves. I think there's over, we're, we're, I think it's like 30, we're under 30 uh, from where we're supposed to be for officers. And so you, you're seeing the fruits of those labor, you know, years ago. But, you know, when I was saying it, you know, I guess I was too quick with it. It was like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're being mean. We like Pete. Pete is great. You know, give him a chance. That type of discussion. And I kind of understand that. I, I get it. Right. But what I didn't get is that I'm sitting over the books. I'm looking at the books. I'm presiding over the books. I know where the money is going, what's happening. And somehow, in some way, I was discounted. And my statements about, you know, what was happening and what was going to happen. And, you know, now it's like, uh oh, well, it's too late now. <laughs> the money's been spent and, you know, he's taking his, uh, you know, talents to South Beach or, <laughs> or, or, or the D.C. or wherever he lands, you know. So the, the race was um, at the end of the day, it was uh, it was fun. I learned a lot about myself during that race. You know, um, I did pretty well, actually, uh, with, you know, getting changing the conversation. Uh, a lot of the things that were, I was discussing then and, and, and really pushing down uh, about police reform, Citizens Review Board, those sorts of things. Now they are changing the policies. They want a Citizens Review Board or some sort of, you know, uh, idea of one. And, and, they're, and they're doing some of those things that I was really uh, pushing the button on. So we got to, I got to change that conversation. This was in uh, 2015. Yeah. And uh, was there a debate in that election? Absolutely. You can't find any of the debate information on, online. You can't find a video online. They cleared the whole the system out. He lost that debate. I won that debate. He didn't want to debate me. He refused to debate me. And somehow, some way, um, you know, Indiana University of South Bend, uh, we had a, a debate. And I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm highly competitive. So when I say I beat somebody, <laughs> I beat them. Yeah. And so... You know, once that, uh, you know, they put on the Internet and he says he's running for president, you Google it, try to find it, you won't find it. You cannot find it. Have they you er- seen they it there in the past? Yeah. On the Internet? They erased it, yeah. Somebody erased it. Absolutely. So was it the kind of debate uh, where the candidates... When you get beat? No, <laughs> not that kind of debate. Uh, uh, it was it the kind of, <laughs> was it the kind of debate where candidates got to ask each other questions, or is it more or less a forum it was where, a, where questions were addressed to you? We had a moderator. Um, questions were addressed to us, and we had to ask them to our best ability. And so that's how it was. You know, uh, people were able to write on cards. I think as well, mm-hmm. some of those um, questions were asked during the time that we debated. But yeah, he. Um, he ran up against me, man. And, and I, so did, did you, get, at, at any point, did you get to ask him the questions and he asked you the questions? Like, no. You know how they do that? No. Where they'll go, well, uh, now it's your turn to ask a question. Well, Mayor Pete. No, I, I didn't do that, but I dunked on him a couple of times. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> His basketball roots yeah, are yeah, showing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so what were the issues then? Were, uh, the that, same ones that we're fighting right now. Budget deficits, uh, spending money erroneously, taking TIF dollars and giving them to the friends and not taking care of the neighborhood. Uh, police issues, violence. You know, I told you about us, my father not getting pulled over by police at gunpoint after a council meeting. Um, th- there were a number of things that, you know, came up, you know, as to the, whether the quality of life of South Bend. We talked about the schools, mm-hmm. and now they're threatening to close another school. They're trying to uh, do a referendum on a tax increase to enhance the school corporation. I mean, it's a mess, right? And so the things that were happening then um, are still happening now, but they're a way worse than they were then. Now, it, he was victorious, correct? Absolutely. What, what percentage of the vote did he get? Uh, quite a bit. I think about 80 or something like that, right? All so right. check this out. So we were um, talking about that. They called that election. Okay, the polls closed at 6 o'clock. Closed at 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Within a half an hour, they had the winner. Um, 
I've worked at polls before. It takes you a half hour to get out of there and try to get downtown to drop off the bag and the, and the tape so they can count the votes up. I don't know how they got that done so fast. And then there was a highly contested clerk's race because he had this um, black woman, and I'm saying it for an effect because they want black women to vote in high numbers in the Democratic Party because those are the ones that vote the most. And so she uh, jumped on his ticket mm -hmm. uh, somehow. So they're in the commercials together talking about they're going to run the city together. This is a clerk, you know. And so somehow, some way, you know, she, his vote total was almost identical to hers. The loss, the margin of uh, of, 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 of the, the way I lost, like what I just said, but he got like 80% or something left of the vote. The guy that was running as uh, running for a clerk as well in that primary, he was running a Democrat too. He lost almost by the same exact percentage as I lost to the mayor. So it was like everybody that voted for me voted for Derek. Everybody that voted for Pete voted for Karima. You know that doesn't happen. Where do they do that at? You know Vegas? Yeah. <laughs> so are you suggesting uh, I, that the election was rigged? I, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm telling you what happened. Okay. You know, and it, so I don't know how, wh where they do that type of gambling at, but the numbers were just like, I, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Well, the reason why uh, I'm concentrating on this element of your life, your uh, uh, race against Pete Buttigieg, is that uh, out of nowhere, he's emerged uh, as a very viable yeah he he is actually right candidate now. to be the next nominee to the Democratic Party, and that has caught me off guard. I got to tell you the truth, Henry. I the mayor of a 37 year old mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and please don't take this the wrong way, but I would just, you know, South Bend is not like a springboard. It's not for, Chicago for presidential politics. No, it's not LA. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not New York. Right. Right. So, and he's emerged and, uh, he's very popular. He's like the, the Pete lovers love mayor Pete. Now I've, I've not been for, uh, Fortunate or unfortunate enough to drink the Mayor Pete Kool-Aid yet. Hold on, let me try if it's any good. <laughs> Still not feeling it, but uh, <laughs> so what? You've been very critical of Mayor Pete on this show and uh, in other forums. Let's flip the switch here. When you look at Mayor Pete, what are his, uh, his? When you've been up against him, so what are his strengths? You waiting for me to answer? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know. I can't tell you. Um, our budget again, like I said, is blown. Uh, we're operating with a deficit. Uh, crime is at an all time high in South Bend. Um, we're we're hovering around over a hundred shootings this year. Uh, we had a black man that was uh, killed at the end of a police gun this past summer. Um, I mean, we have all kinds of officers that have been. You know, caught doing just the wrong thing. We still have the tape scandal that's going on uh, that he refuses to, you know, relent on that. He keeps just explain to people what the tape scandal. Well, he is. well, there was like some high-ranking officers that works with the prosecutor's office that works in concert with the judges, um, caught on um, on, on on tape. Mm -hmm. uh, the lines were being recorded, uh, claiming that they, you know, had a. Um, all kinds of like they was committing crimes or talking about how they can make crimes allegedly committing crimes uh, allegedly you know sharing racist comments about the police chief I mean this stuff is documented in a newspaper and as soon as Pete got a hold to it or claims they, that's when he finally got a hold to it you know he sends it to like the prosecutor I mean he doesn't send it to the prosecutor he sends it to uh, the guys at Notre Dame so they the guys at Notre Dame tells him that the tapes are recorded illegally that's wiretapping and so then he takes and he throws it to the feds the feds take it and punt it back and say you know there's nothing wrong here i think the guy's name was david cap he was over the seventh district including this area in chicago and he was just like there's nothing wrong you know what i mean i don't know what you guys are talking about well then he goes judge shopping again and he punts it to another judge you know and then the ju that judge came back and said well only a few of the tapes can get played that wasn't good enough. Then he punts it again to another judge. And so that that group of judges, because it was like a panel of federal judges, they just said, look, don't send this back to the federal judge anymore. This is a state issue. You take care of it at home. 
So then he takes it and he punts it to a local judge. Mm-hmm. And so this has been like seven years in the making, you know, and so we're still trying to figure out what's going on. And um, that, you know, uh, no, I, I don't know what I could say. I mean, he, he, he's a great, he's great on, on TV. You know, he can get on TV and he can sell you a story. I mean, he's awesome. You know, lights, camera, action, he can go. But, you know, that's probably about, you know, as much as I can say that, you know, oh, he has some balls of steel. Anytime you can get up off of, out of a city of 100,000, man, and, and run for a president, the audacity, the gall, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't necessarily know if those are positives or negatives, you know, but those are the things that I, I can say I admire about it because I'm a go-getter. I, I'm going to take a risk, but I, I don't know if I had that much uh <laughs> to run for president. Not like that, no. Uh, and uh, what is it you think it says about the Democratic Party in particular uh, that he's emerged? It's a very centrist uh, positions that he takes on most all the issues, uh, counseling people not to be too extreme uh, and constantly reminding folks that uh, he has an appeal that could work with uh, Trump voters and so just sort of trying to position the Democratic Party more in the center. What do you think that says about the, the dynamics of the Democratic Party right now? That we're weak. Uh, that's what it says. That's we're very weak. We don't know where we want to go. We haven't taken uh, a stance on issues that impact the people that we claim that we're uh, working for. Uh, it, it says a lot, you know. Uh, it says four more years of Trump. That's To me, that's what it says, you know, because still trying to figure it out. And I think that it's like really awful uh, because you have Elizabeth Warren out there. You have a Bernie Sanders out there and they're saying the things and talking about what the people really need. Health care, get rid of some of these student loans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People want to live. They don't want to die. They don't want to be up on all this debt. And then all of a sudden here comes this other conversation. And then we're talking about things that, that doesn't necessarily fit what the people really want to hear. And that turns people off. They won't vote. You know, they will, they will care less to vote, you know. So when you say four more years of Trump, you th- you're you saying that if a se- Pete Buttigieg or any centrist uh, is the Democratic nominee, it's a guarantee that Donald Trump will be reelected. What I'm saying is this. So there was an article this morning or today that came out in Essence magazine. Pete, again, and I, I, I would hate to rest here in this conversation with Pete, but this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, uh, and what they've been talking about in, in, in Ness's magazine, he's blaming black voters for not liking him. That's the discussion now. Because the money guys that backs him, when he has like 11 billionaires or six billionaires that are backing him, the, the people with some money, mm-hmm. they're saying, you got to have this guy in the White House. That's what they're saying. The black vote in the Democratic Party was like 55% of the Democratic vote you know, in the primary, it's black people. They're saying, no, uh-uh, we don't like this guy's record. We've heard about him. We're not dealing with him. Mm. He's, Pete's come in and says, it's got to be because I'm gay, right? How did we get there? They don't like you because of, possibly because you may be gay or because you are gay. That could be a part of it, right? But the thing is, is that as a candidate, your job is to sell yourself to the electorate. Mm-hmm. So you're on, you, it's a job interview. You have to sell yourself. You have to figure out what they say they need it and how you're going to be able to deliver it. And if you have examples, then that's what you talk about. That's the job of the candidate. The job of the candidate is not to shame the people who vote into voting for them because he, they have some sort of like, you know, issue with, uh, sexual preference, sexual identity, sexual whatever it may be, you know? And I, th- I just think that that's, like, foul. So they're going to shame the black people and just saying, well, you're homophobic. That, 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 that has absolutely nothing to do with it. As a matter of fact, they're mad right now because you are unaccountable for the things that you're being called out on. People ask them about the taste. People are asking about what happens in South Bend or has happened in South Bend. That never comes, there's never a clear answer. He's talking about, you know... Elizabeth Warren can't pay for health care. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Or, you know, talk about some, like, idea of something that doesn't really fit the narrative. It, he's completely unaccountable. But it's not him. It's what's happening with the media. It's the people that are paying for the campaign that are allowing that discussion to take place. You know, so we can overstep what happens with the black community all across America. 
just not South Bend, the entire area, uh, the entire country. We can move past that. Let's talk about all these other things. Well, you still have the issue of black men being killed, unarmed black men being killed by police. Happens in South Bend, happens in Sacramento, it's happened in many other places throughout the country. We don't need to talk about that. We're not going to talk about the social ills. We're not going to talk about the poverty. We're not going to talk about the schools. You, you understand what I'm saying? You just got just had, just came out of a, a strike up here, right? We're, we're not even going to talk about those things. We're not going to talk about the quality of life you and your kids have or even the jobs that may be available in your area or not. We're going to talk about some centrist ideas that bring the party back to the middle. All right. Before we get into the centrist ideas and this, uh, as, as opposed to. I don't to, even know what that is. Well, we can, <laughs> I will get into that. We'll talk about what does it mean to be a centrist. I'm just going to address the issue of alleged black uh, homophobia. I'm going to say this right now, and you may not agree with me, but I'm going to say it. This is the most exaggerated non-issue that I could think of. I cannot think of one, one politician who lost an election because he was gay. Uh, uh, the, the, the black voters went against him. Not one. Not one. And I've been hearing this issue about black voters not being prejudiced against gay candidates for so long. It's just it's what it's like that other canard that I hear that Donald <laughs> Trump got ten percent of the black vote, which is completely made up. I prove it wrong every time, and these people still say it to me. You got one or two black guys in a bar, Henry, that talk BS about gay people, and then somehow or other that gets turned into what. Black people don't like gays. Black that's people a, vote that, against that's gays. That's exactly what's that's being said. That's just some guy in a bar talking, right? And that gets turned in. I can't think. I always say to people, give me an example. Give me an example. How much of the black vote did, did uh, Buttigieg get in South Bend? Uh, when I ran, not, not, not a lot of it at all. There was a several articles that happened after that race talking about that he has a black problem literally said he has a black problem well it may have been that he was running against a well-regarded councilman whose father's got roots in the community sure and whose sister was a but good- but see if he did the job those things don't come into play the point yeah. is what had nothing to do with his sexual preferences no what you saying. know what happened they didn't know then he came out after that race was over with well, I stand by what I say. I've still not seen any evidence. No, I mean, I think what, it's a non-issue. It's, like non-issue. it's a non-issue. And so they're making it an issue, again, to shame somebody to say, oh, well, I guess I am a bigot. Or wanna- to explain why he has so little black support. There's two, two yeah. ways of looking at it. But it's like it's still the voters' fault. It's not the voters' fault. It's the candidate's fault. You can't keep blaming the voter because this guy has a difficult time selling his story to a a, a demographic. That's your job, man. How do you think I feel great going to some of the most widest areas of South Bend and trying to explain myself and talk about the social ills and economic ills of, you know, most of the city of South Bend when they are living in a well-to-do neighborhood? You can tell that they're doing really well. The house is nice. The neighborhood is nice. I've never even heard of this street before. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go in there and explain myself to them and why they should vote for me. That's very difficult to connect, but I got to do it. And I don't blame them for having that. Um, my name is Henry Davis. Will you vote for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't say that. Now, please, uh, please. <laughs> yeah, usually, usually, usually they already know who I am so that, you know, the conversation just happens, you uh-huh. know. But uh, many of the things that they are concerned about, ha- they're not even on my radar and whatever they're cons- it, it's 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 like complete opposite. They, there is no connection there. They're they're happy about Notre Dame football. They're happy about um, uh, potentially smart streets. You know, they're happy about these things that that doesn't have any bearing mm-hmm. one way or the other in their life. Yeah, they have very good jobs. There's no crime in their neighborhood. Their streets are potholeless. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they they don't have issues. They, 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 there's none that the, the school down the street takes their kids inside and, 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 and they are able to walk to class. You, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They don't have those issues. But if I go three miles in the opposite direction, that's the discussion. Those are the conversations. 
if you go three miles the opposite direction yeah. to your uh, in the wards where the black people live. Yeah, yes, or, or 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 white folks who are not well to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they have issues as well. All right, so let's get back to the the notion of a centrist uh, in the Democratic Party. What does that mean to you? I don't know. They say it's moderate, I, I, you know, and I've probably been defined as a moderate. Um, my voting record uh, was really in line more so with the Republican guy that was serving on council when I was serving on council. Um, I wasn't for any new taxes. I wasn't for a lot of like, you know, spending, you know, until it was all gone. You know, I wasn't I wasn't into that. I was interested in making sure the city was healthy stayed healthy economically, uh, uh, crime-free, if we could make it. And I was interested in strong public schools. Uh, I still am that same person. Uh, I think there's other ways of getting it done. But, you know, that's where I was at. Uh, and, and obviously that would be the same thing with a person running in a party, you know, uh, running for president. But that's not the record in South Bend. Well, if you look at uh, the particulars, as I see it, if you just it, it, moving away from some some abstract definition of what a centrist is on the particular the uh, the issue, the, the, like the, the significant telltale issue is health care. Yeah. So a centrist position in the Democratic Party is a position that's devised in order to uh, avoid offending people or upsetting people or scaring people. So the notion is if you go for uh, Medicare for all, uh, a single payer plan that would require people to give up their private insurance that will frighten them so much that they may think about voting for Donald John Trump, if for only reason to hold on to their health care plan. That's the standard uh, philosophy, I guess, of our political strategy behind it would you agree uh that that's like the the, the classic case of a, of a of a centrist democrat yeah but whatever happened to discussion about jobs we can't talk about health care and just keep talking about health care and it had to be funded by you know um private interest or public interest will be public at this point and we don't have a discussion about jobs I'm not saying, and please don't take it, you know, any other way. I'm not saying that we don't have a discussion about health care. We don't have a discussion about universal health care because we need to have that discussion because look at what's going on right now. But what I'm saying is that before we even get there, we still are not talking about jobs. We're not talking about any economic independence. We're not talking about the future. We're not talking about a jobs bill that employs more people so they can pay for their insurance, so they can pay their bills. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about health care and how do we fund health care, which will in fact will be a, a way of saying welfare. That's what we're talking about. So we're talking about creating more welfare instead of independence. And I think that that is like, I think that's upside down. I believe that that's upside down. If we're here in America, the best country in all of the, uh, of the world, and we can't talk about how to make sure our people are, are employed, gainfully employed, and they have a ways that they can take care of their families and they can pay their insurance, they can pay their the grocery bill, they can pay all their utility bills, they can make car payments, those type of things. Remember, remember that? The American <laughs> dream? <laughs> we, we're not even talking about those things. We're, we're talking about investing in more welfare. Mm-hmm. So that's going to capture more people into some sort of like, you know, cycle of poverty and, and, and take them in and, and keep them there. No different than me going to school, taking in all of these like loans in order for me to pay back these loans. I have to have like a great job to pay them back or I just stay in school and take more loans, more loans, more loans. It's like you have to keep going back to that needle. And, and, and I think that, that we're not talking about that. We're talking about still capturing people and putting them into a system that's not working out for them. When you, when you, when you call health care welfare, are you saying that? Any- I'm talking about the, the use of public dollars to support or to subsidize a need within the area. So I even call welfare, like people use ta- uh, TIF dollars for the development of their buildings. I call that welfare because it is. It's mm-hmm. It's government subsidy. Yeah. So it's no different. You know, they, they play it off and say, oh, it's TIF dollars and there's a public-private partnership. Dude, doesn't matter. You're still using uh, uh, government money yeah. or the people's money to subsidize, you know, y- your dream or your idea. Mm-hmm. It's still welfare. It's called corporate welfare, actually. Yeah. 
I buy. I'm with you on there. I'm just uh, when you say welfare, it's like a pejorative, like it's a bad thing. Well, they make uh, it a bad thing. They yeah. say it's a bad thing, but it's the same thing. It, it has the same color. It has this. It's the same thing across the board. It just depends on who's using yeah. it. No, but I would not. <laughs> I would not equate giving a well-to-do businessman who does not need the subsidy a subsidy, a public subsidy, to develop property in an area that doesn't need a subsidy with making sure that everybody in this country has adequate health care. I think one is a necessity for the safety and the security of the civilization that we want. Absolutely. And the other one is a freaking handout to a guy who's got clout. Absolutely. Now, now it is because of where we're at. Again, let's go back to, you know, jobs and creating better jobs and, you know, making sure people are what, able to take care of themselves. What do you think is a winning strategy for the Democrats uh, on the job front? Ooh, uh, I think that they need to recreate, um, you know, that Green New Deal thing that they're talking about. I think that that's an awesome thing. I, I think that, that um, there needs to be another discussion about how do we rebuild America, you know, FDR type, you know, job stuff. Yeah, I, I think that those would be awesome. Because at the end of the day, you're only going to have so many changes in jobs or innovative jobs, you know, and a lot of these companies that they're talking about tech, you only like employing 15 to 20 people at the most, you know, so and a specialized skill set. Right. So there you have, you have more of those jobs that are, you know, construction. Uh, uh, teachers, perhaps, you know, those sorts of things that help out America on a regular basis, just not this tech idea of how to create a new iPhone or something. That's, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's like, that's like a dream or something. We need people that are working, manufacturing things. America needs to start producing stuff. We, 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 we import so much stuff. So we're like on somebody else's needle across the seas, right? <laughs> and we just keep going back. And it seems like, you know, it's going to get better. No, it's really not going to get better. Uh, of the candidates, I know you haven't endorsed anybody yet. No. Correct? No. Uh, of the candidates uh, in the Democratic race right now, which one speaks to these issues the most? See, here we are again. Here we are again. about to cross the threshold again. <laughs> B. Sanders. You got to be the man B. Sanders. And, and like I said, last time I knocked on doors for him because he made the most sense about this. It's been Bernie the whole entire time. I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect candidate, you know. And so people, oh, well, Bernie, no, there's no such thing as a perfect candidate, period. I got that. But what I will say is that he's the closest one that's in line with what I'm talking about, you know. Well, now, and again, I love to remind everybody uh, that Henry Davis Jr. is from South Bend, Indiana. Indiana. I'll say that again. And it's not Indiana. Notre Dame. It's not Notre Dame, Indiana. It's South Bend. Indiana. Yes. But, and I learned that the first time he came on this show. Remember that? <laughs> I was like, what? Remember you had to educate me yeah. on many fronts about I South Bend? I had to do that a lot, actually. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, Notre Dame is not in South Bend. It's outside of South Bend. By the way, and then I, it's on the northeast it. side of it, man. It's, you know, it's kind of like just right across the street. And I was really embarrassed. I had to point out to Henry Davis that I was never a Notre Dame fan. I always root against Notre Dame in any sport. Why, why would you do that? I just never yeah, liked I, Notre I, Dame. I, don't, yeah. I really don't appreciate that. <laughs> I can't stand Notre Dame. Last year I went to the uh, Northwestern Notre Dame game, was rooting passionately for Northwestern, and unfortunately And Notre they got Dame. cream. Yeah. Well, it wasn't cream. They was, got cream, man. It was, uh, I think they lost by 20 points. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but the reason I, I accentuate the fact that you're from Indiana and South Bend, Indiana, yeah. is that this is Trump country. Uh, Donald John Trump won the uh, state of Indiana in 2016. So, when you talk about Bernie Sanders, do you think that Bernie Sanders is capable of defeating Donald Trump in Indiana? If he has a strong uh, uh, vice uh, president. Oops, excuse me. That's oh man, you somebody looking for you. Yeah, I know. Uh oh, it's spam too. Uh, so, you get those calls too. What is that about? I, well, in my case, I know exactly what it is about. There's someone trying to shake me down, and I don't take the phone calls anymore. Yeah, I was wondering what that was. I, I'm getting them too, and it says spam, but I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't answer them. Uh, yeah. I don't answer them either, but uh, I shouldn't have had them bad. Is that is like is that like a safeguard or something on your phone? They let you know that there's somebody that shouldn't be calling your phone. Yeah, That's it why it's called spam. spam. Hold on, I'm gonna turn my phone off right now because that was really wrong of me. There we go. Got it. Yes. 
uh, and sometimes it leaves a message and the person is like, yeah, call this number and we'll give you, uh, like, there's something wrong with your computer. If you call this number, we'll unlock your computer, which I'm sure is Or you get those health insurance phone calls talking about they're renewing your health insurance right now. Uh, Dennis is well aware oh, with those health yeah. insurance. You get those as well. Yeah. Dude, uh, he yeah, gets yeah. them all the time. So anyway, go back to Indiana. So you think uh, a Democrat can take, Indi- Bernie Sanders can take Indiana? Yeah, with the right vice president. And who would that be? Elizabeth Warren. Wow, the dream ticket, huh? Yeah, I think it would be. Well, it have to be. I mean, you have to go the other way with this, and you have to get people inspired to want to vote again, and that will get people inspired to vote again. See, that, the Democratic Party is trying to recreate that Obama thing with uh, Pete Buttigieg. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. It's Explain not working. that. I, I think it's nuts because, it, as a matter of fact, it's an insult. So. How does a guy that is a mayor of like a mid-sized city match up to what Barack Obama is and who he is and even his record? So wasn't he a state senator, right? Yes. Then he went to a U.S. Senate and he ultimately became president. Mm-hmm. So he was battle tested nationally and also worldwide at one point in time. This guy, he doesn't have that in, on his resume. And so we're talking about, but he is it. They asked some couple on um, the news earlier today in I think it was Iowa and they were saying, Yeah, he really has it. You know, he's intelligent like a Barack Obama. Well that lessens with who Barack Obama was. You know, so you're gonna match Michael Jordan up with your local high school basketball player? <laughs> I mean seriously, I mean that's the that's the comparison. And I just think that that is unfair. But he can do it just like Barack did. How can he do it just like Barack did? Barack showed up with a family, right? Two daughters and a wife. You know, obviously extended family. He had he had life experience, and you're 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 trying to compare this upstart to somebody that has the experience. Doesn't work. Yeah, it has well, never worked. I, I I have to tell you that um, uh, this is confession time. I was not a huge fan of Barack Obama coming. What's up, the losing man? I was not a huge fan of Barack Obama coming out of Chicago. And I didn't see it in him. Uh, obviously, I was wrong. I uh, miss. Uh, I underestimated his capabilities as a politician and his ability to inspire faith in, in people. Oh, he's a great orator, man. I mean, he, he he can talk you out of everything that you have, man. Yeah. He, he has that well, silver tongue is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, right? your friend from South Bend's got that gift he, as well. He has a he silver can tongue. Really talk, but he's not Barack Obama, man. That 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 was something different, man. That that's, that that's those things are those two are like polar opposite. You have this tall, handsome black man with his whole family, right? Yeah. Who've gone to Harvard, Harvard Law, the whole nine, be, being compared to this guy, <laughs> all of what thirty-seven years old, uh, just seven years of some sort of political experience, right? Yeah. He, he doesn't went to have, Harvard too, didn't he? Yeah, but that's not the same though. I mean, it's not the same, you know, sort of experience. I mean, yeah, they went to the same school. Yeah. I mean, that yeah, great, right? But that's not the same level of experience. Yeah. Well, I think, like, uh, listen, I, I I cannot quite understand uh, the the Pete Buttigieg phenomenon, uh, in it, 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 other than it's an attempt to recreate Obama. Because I'm with you, I feel that. And that's the party that's doing that. They're allowing it to happen. Well, I mean. And you have two viable candidates or three viable candidates because you still Biden still out there. And they're ignoring the idea of this being Biden's turn or, or Elizabeth Warren's. Well, I don't blame Biden's the party. I don't blame the party for the fact. It's, that a, it's a losing proposition. Up. Yeah, but you want to go back to the days where like party bosses say, "Well, this guy can't win, so we're not going to give him an opportunity." I mean, yeah. he's he's winning. In yeah, the- yeah, when you run up against a Donald Trump. Yeah, you're exactly right. Somebody needs to make a choice. You're, 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 do you see what you're dealing with? <laughs> you, you have a guy who's sitting over there with this cannon, and he's lit the wick. You know, in cartoons, they used to have the, the <laughs> you know, he, and he's waiting for it just to go off, and you're sort of fumbling around, you know, trying to figure out whether you dig a hole, you get in your car, you leave, or you're going to shoot back with, with your water pistol. So you think the Democrats should have limited, for instance, the number of people who could participate in the debates? I think they should have made a uh, made a judgment, sound judgment on how this was going to go. I think they're taking too much time to figure out what is next for the party nationally. And I think that they're losing precious time and ground by doing that. 
everybody in the world is talking about Donald Trump and what Donald Trump is doing. He's controlling the conversation. That's the worst thing and the last thing that you want to do. And the Democratic Party is not necessarily even talking about the hardcore issues that are impacting people in the neighborhoods, such as in South Bend. You know, public education is being attacked and being tarnished by charter schools because the state of Indiana is a test site for charter schools. You understand what I'm saying? We're not even talking about those things. We're not talking about the high taxes. We're not talking about these 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 bad bridges and roads that we travel on every day. We're not even having a discussion. We're not talking about jobs. So we talked about that earlier. We're not talking about those things. You know, we're, we're talking about collusion. Uh, we were listening to the radio on our way over here. What was it? What else was it talking about? It was collusion and something with the Ukraine, right? So Ukraine and this Extort, guy extorting they, the president we, of Ukraine. That's what we're talking about. But as the conversation keeps going and turning over, well, the, the Republicans saying, "Well, yeah, he may have done it, but he ain't, he hasn't broken any laws." You, you understand what I'm saying? So the conversation is like, "Yeah, it's being done." So what are you guys going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Well, we're still attacking something. Instead of building what we have so that we have a successful run in 2020. And, and, and I think that's just poor game planning. It's just poor game planning. If the Bulls have better game planning, they win, right? Uh, well, you need good players. Well, that too. <laughs> Bulls but, don't have good players. But, but see, but, but it's called execution. Yeah. Yeah, regardless. I mean, you've, I've been – I played – ball yeah. all my life if you have proper execution and great coaching i don't care what type of players you got out there you can make it happen yeah well i humbly disagree with you on the issue of the democrats challenging donald trump on uh, what he did in ukraine i absolutely think it's fundamental uh to the security of our democracy that you challenge a president who's co- so clearly how much do you do it well, you do it as much as necessary the, the man has clearly and obviously abused the power okay so then you so you impeach him yeah. right Absolutely. Can you have them removed? Well, you can, I, I, no, no, listen, per- understand what I'm going with this. Yeah. I'm not saying that illegal behavior is acceptable and we should condone it. Okay. That's not it. I'm talking about the game plan, you know, from start to finish. So you get out there and in the middle of the game, you really feel you figure it out. Well, we can't win this one. But you've just spent the whole entire first half trying to. Well, there's two issues. There's two issues. If uh, there's the issue of quote unquote winning, and if by winning you mean uh, driving uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, out of office, getting the Senate to vote to uh, uh, remove him from office, then no, I do not do not think that will be the outcome. However, if you think that you have an obligation, a constitutional obligation, to stand up for the laws of this country so that no president gets away or feels he can get away, which is giving two middle fingers to the Constitution and all the rules that he is supposed to abide by, then you have to go in the game. That's like saying, to a, to use your basketball analogy, well, <laughs> we're not going to play the Lakers tonight because they're just going to win anyway. We're just going to let the Lakers no, win this game. No. Now, my beloved Bulls lost to the Lakers yeah, they last be, night. They got beat up pretty badly. 112, but at least they showed up on the court. They absolutely if we did, did it your way, they would just go, no. you know, LeBron, you're going to win again, so we're just not going to have the, the game. The, the, okay. that's, not, that's, not even, that's not it. What I'm saying is that you're spending so much time on here over this issue when you have this bigger fight over here in 2020. I agree. I think that, you that's, do that's both. what I'm saying. You're exhausting yourself, but they don't have enough to, to do both. It's obvious. Well, I do believe they have enough to do Do you think both. so? Yeah, I think Bernie uh, Sanders is They don't want him because he waves his hands too much. And he's, <laughs> oh, let's go. We can go back there. Yeah, we talked about this. I, so we're, we're concentrating on things that don't mean anything. Yes, I agree with and you. And so I'm, I'm talking about on the entire point. Enti- yes. Yeah, well, I'm talking about the entire picture. I, yeah, I get that. You know, no one should be allowed to do illegal things. But your greater win mm-hmm. is over in 2020. And how can you make that happen? And how can you make that successful? Over here with this guy, and you can't even remove him from office if he is convicted or said to have been, done something illegal? I mean, you spent a guy with resources. You've, you've, you've literally, and, and this is what has happened, made him the victim. No, you've not made him the victim. No, 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 but that's what will be played out. That will be his next discussion. Well, listen, I can't. I'm the victim. I, I've never been able to do anything here. since I got in office. Everybody's been trying to get rid of me. Listen, and if, so if the American <laughs> people, again, that's that's an extension of the, the analogy I just gave. If that's the game he's going to play, and if the American people buy that game, then I actually I think that is a triumph our democracy because then we know what motivates the American people. Okay. We've exposed something about them, and maybe they can learn from that. Uh, in other words, if the American people 
are going to take a look at the evidence that their president, and it's clear evidence, we just had testimony from one, a high-ranking appointee of Donald Trump that he was shaking down uh, the yeah, president of Ukraine, it. okay? So we have evidence. <laughs> he was shaking him down. said it, he was shaking him down. He told me. <laughs> so if the people of America say, you know what? It's okay for our president to shake down other presidents to get dirt on other candidates. If that is their judgment, then we have learned a very valuable thing. Don't you agree, Henry? I think the strategy needs to be better. I, I really do. I just think the strategy is poor. I do. It seems like they're jumping everything that he does. He continues to control the conversation, controls the narrative. He stays on TV. People are being programmed by him. And then when he cries and says that he's the victim— then people are going to start to believe it. They, somebody was on the radio, you know, like I said, on the way over here. They said, you keep telling a lie long enough. So people, you just let them get away with no, the no, lie? No, no, people start believing the lie. So you let just people believe a lie? No, I didn't say that. Maybe I, the Bulls I, should have quit last night's game at halftime. They were no, winning at I'm halftime. Not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you have to play the long game with this. It, it's just not right across the street, get them out of here. do you think you can do both things? I don't think the party is strong enough to do both things. Now when they don't control the Senate, and it seems like most congressional seats so are being should, locked. Do you, you think they should drop the investigation? No, I think that they probably should turn the volume down just a little bit and concentrate on who their candidate is going to be in 2020. Just right. turn it down a couple of notches. It's, I, I, it's on, will, t, it's on 10 right now. Turn it to seven or eight. You know I, You know what? I think this is going to be one of those we have to agree to disagree. By the way, do you know how many we have to do, agree to disagree I have right now in the city of Chicago coming out of the teacher strike? Probably, probably quite a few. <laughs> quite a few. Yeah, so. no, no, that was, that was, that was like pretty just like out of order. You know, I mean, I don't know how people, I mean, weren't they digging themselves out of a hole just to say that we belong here and we deserve, you know, these things. They're not even amenities. They're like, what's in their contract. So you were talking about, uh, um, you know, nurses being in the schools, librarians being in school. You were talking about things that are essential to a child's education. And, well, they weren't in the contract, and that's why they had a fight to get them in the contract. Well, I, I, why, why would you have to ask for those things? Is what is so crazy about it, but I mean, I guess it's the world we live in. I agree. I'm a absolutely agree. Yes, and it's nuts. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. That's something we do agree on. All right, we we agree, we, we agree on a lot more than we disagree. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that is true. So I right. just think that volume needs to be turned down right now. What's going on with our buddy in Washington D.C.? So and I'm just the opposite. I'm turning up, man. Let's blast. I, but out. I do. I'm going to tell you that turns voters off. And I'm going to tell you that when it's continued to keep pushing that button, that volume stays really loud, loud people tend to turn off and they don't want to deal with it anymore. I'm telling you. Well, again, I'll, and I'll go back to what I was saying. There's two issues. One, there's the issue of a lawless president that must be addressed with or we are just going to give up on our democracy. And the second is the political strategy of how to deal with that. Now, we could discuss the political strategy of how to deal. I think, actually, this is a discussion we've had on this show many times about Nancy Pelosi's strategy, how she's dealt with it, how she's... Oh, like, for instance, when the Mueller report came out, she didn't push for impeachment because she didn't you think... You read that? That's a thick book, man. Cover to cover. Uh, let the record show that I am holding up a copy. We don't have this thing on tape, uh, video, a uh, copy of the Mueller report. Does it make sense to you? Uh, yeah, the Mueller report is pr pr pretty clear. Uh, by the way, that book is a thick book because um, there's there's like a, a lot because of there's a lot of pages. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not going to you're not going to talk me into something else again, man. You no. have a cover right there. You have pages in between, no, no, no. and you have another but, cover on the back. No, I know and that. That's but, called the book. Yeah, no, but there's like an, uh, there's the analysis. There's no footnotes, but that was a good line. That book is thick because it has a lot of pages. Yeah, that, period. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, that was uh, there's some compelling uh, evidence in the Mueller report uh, that Donald John Trump and his campaign were up to no goods with the Russians on uh, hacking of the Democratic computers. But it wasn't, uh, to your point, it wasn't compelling enough uh, to advance a case politically. And Nan That's what I'm talking Nancy about. Pelosi, who sort of shares your worldview on this, said, you know what? The, this would hurt the party to advance it. I believe it's a different case with... Um, the case of Ukraine. And I'll be honest with you, uh, to quote your sister, uh, I believe that um, there are many instances where if I were a congressman in uh, 
as unimaginable as that is, Henry, I would be pushing for impeachment. Like there's some congressmen that push for impeachment of George Bush on matters of, of violating the Constitution to get us into a war in Iraq that was illegal, et cetera, and so forth. Politically speaking, you're absolutely correct. That would have been not viable to have an impeachment, but morally and principle. Can I, can I play this card? Go. So does the American people have a say-so about this? What I'm saying is that there's an election. And the American people are the ones that are suffering more, the most from, you know, this, 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 I, don't, I can't even call it a comedy show. It, it's just bad. They're the ones suffering. Mm-hmm. So are they going to be um, well, ultimately they energized enough to go to the polls? And that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, do they have enough within them or, or is apathy going to win out? And that's what I'm talking about. And I'm going to keep going back to my point about the volume being so loud. It creates apathy. It creates fatigue. People do not want to participate because it's too much and it's going to last too long. I mean, politics didn't used to be like this. I mean, it's like every day, all day. Obviously, that's because of what we have at our access. We can access on our phones, TV. It's like 24-hour cycles, right? Mm-hmm. On the Ben Jaworski show. <laughs> I mean, it happens all day, every day. At some point, people are going to turn off. I don't want to hear that anymore. I'm sick of CNN. I'm sick of MSNBC. I'm sick of uh, headline news. I'm sick of all the uh, Fox News. You know, I'm tired of all of those things, and I don't give a damn what they do. I'm not voting. I don't, screw Trump. Screw Bernie or whoever else. You know, and I'm going to go about my my day. And people do that. They do that often. That has happened in South Bend. We have over, I think it was over 70,000 people that are registered to vote. I think it's in St. Joseph County, majority of them being in South Bend. We have less than 10 that voted yesterday, 10,000, less than 10,000 yesterday that voted in a local election. That's because they're like so tired of hearing about the current mayor. They're so tired of hearing about the police scandals. Mm-hmm. They're so tired of hearing about all of these other things that really should be taken care of really quick because, you know, those are the rules. Yeah. And that we're not talking about potholes. We're not talking about high water bills. We're not even talking about, I mean, the guy went through the neighborhoods and tore down neighborhoods, a thousand houses in a thousand days. There's still not a plan right now to, to erect new homes on those vacant lots. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went through the hood and just destroyed it. Yeah. And, and so that impacts my property value. That impacts the tax. That impacts everything. Yeah. Because he thought it was a good idea to get in the, you know, what, what do they call those things? Those uh, bulldozers <laughs> <laughs> and run over a neighborhood, man. Come on, man. All right. So you've moved back to uh, P- uh, Mayor Pete's. I'm, I'm moving back to issues. In South, yeah, South Bad. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to what you were saying about people being tired. And, you know, I'm going to uh, shed a little tear for the American electorate because the poor babies are tired. They're tired because their president of the United States has been breaking the law. And then he goes and cries about it on TV. And they're so confused, Henry. Yeah. They don't know who to believe. Oh, poor babies. Come on, American. Okay. Be, stand up. You know Read we, a newspaper. Think. You know, Do you want your president to be lawless? Is that what you're saying? You know what would be great? <laughs> well, you know what would be really great? What? To watch Donald Trump have a conversation by himself. Have you ever, ever took a child that just cried entirely too much and just walked away? They stopped crying. Yeah, after a yeah, while. Yeah, they just <laughs> they cry. They, they, they cry. That's what I'm talking about. At some point, let him talk to himself. Just, bu- and watch it. Just watch it, you know, because obviously he's throwing a tantrum to get more, you know, If attention. Mayor Pete had committed so many egregious and outrageous uh, abuses of power as Donald John Trump, would you be saying, ah, man, lower the volume on it? Or would you be out there in the street going? I was that guy. I was that guy. I get pulled right gunpoint. I get sued in open court, right? I get death threats. I was that guy. So at some point, it has to be like, okay, Henry, how do you strategize? And which points do you really attack? And which ones do you, like, really let go? Although you don't want to let any of this go. Especially but, 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 after you've been pulled over by gunpoint. Yeah, by your own police department after you vote against their budget at the council meeting. You understand what I'm saying? So at some point, I had to, like, you know, these last three years, I was able to, like, really think through these things and go back over them. At some point, I should have been able, or should have been smart enough to say, I'm not going to attack this one. I'm going to attack this one. Pick and choose your battles. 
It just seems like we're just like beating up on it, you know. All right, yeah, fair okay. enough. I'm going to allow you. Thank to you. Leave I'm going to win. Right? <laughs> and, I'm going to uh, win, man. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm as stubborn as you are, uh, and as stubborn as your sister. And I'm, just, but you know what? I'm polite. I'm just going to allow you. I appreciate so much you coming on the show. No, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, man. Uh, but wait, we're not done yet because we're just briefly before we head out the door. Uh, turn our attention to the extremely important subject of my beloved Chicago Bulls. We talk. Dennis uh, allows me to talk basketball about once a month. Clock's ticking, buddy. Come on, <laughs> come on. Clock's ticking. Uh, and uh, what a terrible, terrible start to the season it is. It's a long season. Uh, I hope this. So are you offering me hope that yes. my beloved Bulls will turn it around? No, they won't. But it's a long season. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Lori Markinen? The I, guy I, was good last year. He's been terrible in these first eight games. I don't think the Bulls management is interested in necessarily winning. I think they're interested in selling tickets and making sure that their games are like sold out. That sort of thing It's a business. And if they win, they win. If they lose, then okay, we'll just trade for some more players later on. But but but, but you, I mean, there was talk, talk today on ESPN about uh, Anthony Davis coming back here. That's in Chicago. not gonna happen. I'm just talking about yeah. what the discussion was, yeah. man. But yeah. that's what they were talking about because he's from Chicago. Yes. It'll be a great you know attraction, a great draw. I mean, Chicago had multiple opportunities over the years to have a very good team. It just seems like people either, like, you know, get traded away or something happens or to Or something them. in the case of Lori Marketing, who is showing so much promise last year and so much promise as a rookie, and now this year it's like, what is happened? this the same guy? They should have picked seven points last night. They should have picked up uh, Carmelo several years ago. They tried to. You talk about in 2014? Yeah, I think that's when it was, you know. Yeah, they tried to. They, they have no attraction to the team. It's just like it's like no real superstars anymore. Well, okay, that's a whole other story. Look at it. We were just talking about this with Dennis last night. Look at L.A. They were down in the dumps a couple of years ago, and then LeBron goes to L.A., and now uh, A.D. is in L.A. Suddenly they're a powerhouse again. Nobody ever wants to come to Chicago. Did you ever think about Nobody, I can't recall, a free agent of, with significant prowess. Last time you guys had that type of attraction was Tracy McGrady. T-Mac. That, that was a long time. Yeah. yeah. That was a long time ago. That's when it was just like, oh, man, he going to Chicago. That could be, you know, the resurgence of the Bulls. I think he just used Chicago to get a higher offer from, I think it was he ended up going to Orlando. Don't I, me You know, he, I just particularly remember that moment when he was walking through the airport. Yeah, with, with the big, tra- Betty the Bull. Yeah, with that big old diamond earring in his ear, man. It was just like, you know, Those <laughs> put some sunglasses days. on. All right, very good. Henry Davis Jr. I almost said it, but I did it. Henry Davis Jr., baby brother to Stacey Davis. You must be pretty proud of her these days. Huh? Oh, my God. I mean, yes. How could I not be? You know, that that's some serious stuff over there. You know, hey, I got, you know, <laughs> I mean, what can you say? Seriously, I am. I told her the other day I'm proud of her. And I mean it, you know, that that's some serious stuff. But what I am concerned is that it takes a lot out of you. You know, she can't shoulder the burden like that. You know, she can't. It's called help, you know, and she's going to need it. And if Chicago is interested in moving further into that discussion about how our kids and our families are uh, getting what they deserve, there are going to have to be other factions that are uh, helping out and, and pushing the narrative and, and pushing the pen and making sure that your city council uh, has the people that are elected in those offices and those seats that can help push that. I mean, because there's one big ball of confusion right now. I mean, they were fighting for the baseline. Like I said, we were talking about librarians. Mm-hmm. So we're fighting for librarians. I thought that, that was like, you know, the, <laughs> it, we're, 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 it's like fighting for water and you're a whale. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, 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 it's not fair. Yeah. It really isn't. And then next question, conversation they want to talk. They want to talk about the violence. Well, I mean, you're going to get violence because you live in a violent atmosphere. You're not satisfying the people. So they're going to, you know, do what they do. Yeah. And it's called survive. Did you have a? Did she show evidence when she was a kid that she had this kind of take charge leadership capability? Oh my God, man! That that was that was like all the fights at the house, man. Yeah, that was 
all the time. So I guess it came in handy. You know, I was the punching bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, if this discussion is any indication, I feel sorry for Stacy. You were the most stubborn guy I ever I, met. I had to learn. I had to learn. Yeah. I, I learned. You know, I got baptized with fire, man. I I had to figure it out. But no, seriously, she she's doing an awesome thing here in Chicago. I think that we could have done a lot of great things with her in South Bend. You know, I don't know if South Bend was big enough for her. She came to, you know, the epicenter of politics and she is like holding it down. So, you know, two thumbs up. Praise God for you. Thank you. You know, and keep it up. Yes, indeed. Henry Davis Jr. talking about his big sister, S.D.G., as we call her on the show, Stacey Davis Gates. Uh, and uh, Henry, thank you very much for making that long drive from South Bend. Oh, this is a short, short trip, short trip. For me, it seems like a long time. We get him on the show What about every other month, isn't it, D? Uh, maybe we get you to come in for one of our basketball segments and move away from politics and we talk some basketball. As yeah, we well. can definitely do that. But we're going to look jobs. The Democrats need to start talking about jobs. They have to start talking about jobs. They have to. Are you talking about a big jobs program where the Democrats uh, finance uh, using the government? To, or are you talking about all the above? Oh. America is not working. Yeah. And I just told you that we're not producing anything. There's no manufacturing going on. We're not selling anything. And so it, it, we're importing. Oh, uh, I'm getting notes. Yeah, I see that. What's, yeah. It says middle class. Uh, and uh, those people. The middle class in this is a thousand house. I don't know. Oh, no. I know. I know yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah. By the way, behind the scenes brains of the operation. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, I'm not talking. <laughs> I'm not talking. Meanwhile, he's running notes and yeah, telling and us that, what to say. Yeah, some Godfather stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking. Don't ask me any questions. I'm not in the room. Uh, Henry Davis Sr. That's the father of Henry Davis Jr., obviously. All right, Henry Davis, thank you so much. Appreciate it. This has been another bonus show on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take care, everybody. Thank you, sir. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J. Bonus interview was brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor.